Welcome to the Exploring Washington State podcast. Here's your host, Scott Cowan. Hi, everybody. Today, my guest is Harley Sittner. Harley is the owner of Peace Fans in Seattle. And we got started and I didn't hit the record button. That is why I'm chuckling. So, Harley, welcome to the show. Thanks, Scott. (laughs) So, I think we'll just jump right in. There's got to be a great story to Peace Fans and your involvement. Why don't you take our listeners through the the evolution. Yeah. I mean, I, I like to say it's the, it's the classic founder story where, you know, I just, my daughter had just been born. I had lusted after a classic Westphalia Volkswagen bus my entire life, you know, driving down Baja in the early nineties and, you know, just, just really wanting, you know, a VW so bad. And it just was never the right time. And I never had kind of the, you know, the mechanical inclination to really like take that risk. And then after my daughter was born in um, you know 2010, I was like, oh my god, I need my own escape pod here. And so I finally pulled the trigger, bought a bought a van again, um, and of course had the classic experience of like, oh my god, these are the worst vehicles ever made. It never runs. Like ever, all the stories were true. Um, and I struggled to find like a good mechanic or like even a mechanic that would answer the phone or. And I found this teeny little shop in the Soto neighborhood of Seattle called Peace Vans. And sadly, they were just as bad as everyone else. But, you know, they had a cool name. And, you know, they, they had a cool vibe. Um, but, you know, the owner was closing and he couldn't run the business. Uh, and I, I was kind of like, well, at least if I take this over at that time, I just stopped working at Microsoft a few years ago, spent a few years doing small businessy stuff. And I thought, well, if I take over Peace Vans, at least I'll always have a mechanic to work on my personal van. And when I came home and told my wife that, she was like, wow, you're just like batshit crazy. Like this, <laughs> like, this is like your worst idea ever. And I was like, that, that's, that's like, that's the indication I'm doing the right thing as much as I love her. Um, and I do. Um, so I, I, and it was, it wasn't really even a negotiation. I basically, you know, gave the previous owner a, a bit of money and took the keys and, you know, kept his staff on. And, um, that was eight years. It was almost eight years ago. And uh-huh. we're now we're trending. Wow. I mean, there were three employees, we're up to 21. Um, you know, revenue is, you know, with the Mercedes business, I mean, revenue is now like 30 or 40 times what it was when I took it over. You know, we have three lines of business. Um, so yeah, it was really, it was kind of like a very serendipitous, uh, decision. And uh, one that's really just set my life in a really interesting journey. And I'm, I'm eternally grateful for uh, taking the risk and making the decision. I want to just share my, my Vanigan story. Yeah, everyone, I, I, everyone, I, everyone has a, a Vanigan right, story. It, mine's probably just like everybody else's, but <laughs> I, I was working at Starbucks and uh, one of my coworkers had a, I, I think it was an 80. It was in the last year of the air cooled. So it was a 79 or an 80 right oh God. there. Oh God, those are the worst. Okay. Well, it gets better. Air cooled Vanigans. Yeah. And so I, I just wanted one. I mean, I, I wanted an old, you know, split right. window or something like that, but I just, anyway, I, he sold it to me for 500 bucks uh-huh. and I'm super excited because I had been recently divorced and my two little kids, I thought they'll love this thing and we'll go camping. And I'm not a camper. That's not my thing. But I thought my kids will love it. This will be great. What could go wrong? So I buy it. I bring it home. And it was there for a little while. And my kids come over for for the first time. And they were, I couldn't get them to go on the pop top. They were terrified of it. 
Wow. They just wouldn't do it. They just, wow, that's my daughter yeah. who is, you know, she's our other host on this podcast, you know, and she'll probably kill me for sharing this, but you know, she, I just wouldn't go in it. She wouldn't go in it. And so I bought this, you know, beat up van again that they were terrified of. And I think I maybe drove it all of about 200 miles mm-hmm. because when I finally got around to like, okay, now to what do I do with this thing? It wouldn't run. It was just like, I think I sold it for 50 bucks to somebody oh, up in Canada yeah. and they just came and took it away. You be out $450 on that transaction. You are way ahead. Right. And I've learned since then, you know, that uh, you're right. The restoration costs, the mechanical costs of it would have, you know, yeah, that, their college fund would have been spent. Uh-huh. Um, and then some. That's my story. I still think they're really cool. With that said, they are incredibly unique vehicles still to this day. There's still nothing like it available. Right. So this was in the mid nineties probably. And, you know, back then what they were, people were doing is they were putting a Subaru Boxster Mm -hmm. motors in the back end or a Porsche. If you had money, you'd put a Porsche motor in it. Well, I didn't have either. So (laughs) Um, when you guys are restoring them, I guess maybe we'll just, I'll just transition to the restoration yeah. aspect. So you're renting and let's go this way. You're restoring them and you're renting them. And so when you rent them, you don't want to give somebody a vehicle that's going to be a maintenance oh, yeah. nightmare. So what do you guys do when you go through these yeah. vehicles that are now 30, 30 years old, kind of share with us that, how do you get them ready yeah. to rent? Sure. Well, the rental business started again, like with everything with peace events, very serendipitously. Okay. We had four vans we were going to restore and resell. And, you know, I, you know, reselling restored vans is just not part of our business model. You know, okay. it's, it, it's just not, it's, it's selling you stuff is just yucky. Um, and, you know, we'll help you restore your van. So we decided we'd take these four vans and basically start a rental company because I thought, Oh my God, like how much fun would that be? And, and then I rapidly realized, Oh my God, like what a, what a potential nightmare this is. These are some of the worst vehicles ever built, <clears throat> most romantic vehicles and right. excuse me, you know, singularly functional. Um, so basically we made the commitment because we were, you know, we are essentially like the best shop in the U S for these vans. I mean, I've hand recruited my mechanics and, you know, we run the business with an extreme attention to precision and excellence. Um, and so we basically took those four vans and put them through that entire restoration process. Uh, and part of what was driven by with that was I did not want the call in the middle of the night. Well, it doesn't happen in the middle of the night because you're sleeping and camping. But first thing in the morning or late at night, like, oh, my God, my van won't run or they won't start or, you know, something's making a weird noise. So at a minimum, we spend $25,000 on each of the the Volkswagen rentals before they go into the rental fleet. So they get a rebuilt motor, maybe an old water box or rebuilt. We're increasingly putting, you know, Subarus in the rentals. They get the, excuse me, the entire interior is refreshed. Um, All the coolant system, which is the Achilles heel of the Vanagon, is replaced with all the silicon hoses and proper fittings, um, you know, the, the suspension is overhauled and we go over and beyond on these, these vans and we see not so much competitors because everyone's really friendly in the market, but you know, we work on other companies, vans that rent these mm-hmm. either in emergency situations or they need something done. And we're like, Oh my God, the level we take these vans to is, is, is extreme. Like these are 
extremely well running bands. And I like to say, you know, frankly, like our breakdown rate is, you know, it's less than 2%. Oh, um, okay. I think better than Hertz or Avis. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've rented a car before and, you know, new car and it broke down on me. So, yeah. 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 Okay. And, and if there is an issue, like, I mean, we have the most incredible team to support it and we, we turn it into an adventure and it's fun. And, you know, the, the family gets a great story out of it inevitably because, you know, maybe like, like this past season, there may be like four or five issues out of, I think like 300 renters. And, wow. and, and inevitably they were something like something funny happened, you know, okay. by the time like someone pulled up beside them and started telling them about their old Volkswagen and said, Oh, have you tried looking at this? And sure enough, you know, van was running. Again. Um, okay. you just really fun stories like that. So to answer your question though, like the, the rentals are, I wouldn't hesitate to take any one of our rentals on a cross country trip. And how many rentals do you have right now? What's the, how big is your fleet? Yeah. So we have 10 Volkswagen Vanagons and then we have 10 of the new modern Mercedes pop-up campers. And then we have one seventies era bus that we've converted to electric, um, which is kind of like a demo project, you know, really fun. And, um, you know, only for like day rentals for like weddings and things like that. And I'd like to circle back to that, that story, because I think that's kind of maybe an interesting segment so you have you're renting out 300 trips a, a season and that was during a pandemic yeah oh yeah covid was an it's been a fascinating time to own and operate this business and when i talked to sam before you and i she had mentioned that pre-pandemic a lot of your clients were this was a destination. They'd fly into Seattle. They'd take the van. They, so they were from somewhere else in the, in the U S let's mm-hmm. just say Chicago. Yep. They'd come in, they'd rent a van, they'd go tour the Northwest. Mm-hmm. But right now it seems like what she was saying is that a lot of your renters are locals who are looking for yep. a, a way of escaping their homes for a little while, getting out of yeah, the house. Very much so. I mean, when COVID hit in March, um, I mean, we, I, I think we had something like 140 cancellations, um, March, April, May. Um, and we were kind of like, I was like, I was told my team, this is either going to be like, we're going to have no rentals or it's going to be like, it's going to come back and be insanely busy because no one's getting on an airplane or, you know, and yeah, historically about 85% of our renters, technically 82% of our renters came from outside of Washington state. Okay. And we were, you know, a destination vacation. We were their big trip for the year. You know, they would come to Seattle for two or three nights on one end of the trip and then do a six night, seven night, eight night rental. And then maybe a night on the back end. This was it. This was their big trip of the year. And maybe they'd never been to the Northwest and dreamed of it. And all those people had to cancel. Um, and we were, you know, I'll be honest, like, you know, the Volkswagen shop closed for a month. Um, I was really nervous if anyone was ever going to plop down a hundred grand on a brand new modern Mercedes camper van ever again. Mm-hmm. Um, but the rental business was, fa- you know, we had a working hypothesis that, to your point, you know, summer's going to happen and people are going to need to do something. And if this continues the way it's looking like it's going to, we might have the absolute perfect thing. So we really tried to distill down a program that would be good for rent, uh, local people, 
Um, and maybe they had, you know, already toured the Olympic Peninsula or, um, you know, how do we make it really special for them or accessible for them? Because, you know, six or seven night rental gets to be a lot of money and it's hard to justify that if it's, you know, your second time going around the peninsula or going to Mount Rainier, et cetera. So we really, you know, tried to go deep on our itineraries. We lowered our minimums. Um, and yeah, this season it ended up, it was a hundred percent flip about 85% of our renters were local. Well, and I'm glad you touched on your itineraries cause I'm literally looking at your Olympic uh, peninsula one right now. And the depth that you guys provide is, is pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah. And, and you're, you're looking at the publicly available itinerary. We have a correct. whole portal and there's an equal amount of content that's accessible only to like booked renters. That's awesome. Yeah. We really want people to, you know, just, just have a, an incredible experience. And some of our renters, like they show up, they have no idea where they're going. <laughs> you know, okay. I mean, they're like, they're like, Oh, you had an itinerary. And some of the renters, like, you know, they follow it to a T and right. if we just want to be provide whatever level of service you want. And it's so much fun to think through, okay, where's the best place to get like, you know, there's, there's a, there's a cafe as you come approach hood canal and it's an old like fifties gas station and they have the most incredible grilled cheese sandwiches, you know? And so how do we surface that information and make that accessible? And, you know, like, you know, like, so you're not wasting half your vacation trying to find that amazing experience. Um, we, we can sort of surf that up to you. Only, only to end up at some really horrible place right, and right, uh, right. have a bad grilled cheese sandwich. Exactly. Um, yes. And a bad grilled cheese is like a bad experience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I think this is great because you've got like, I'm just reading, you know, day one, Seattle Dungeness County Park. You've got it down to 90 miles, three hours, including a 30 minutes on the ferry. You're setting expectations. And if I'm with young kids, oh, yeah. I know what I'm into for the day. Uh, not a 12 hour trip between point A to point B and, and hope that they survive in the, in the van um, because they're going to be bored. No, this is, this is great that you guys have done this and this has been a lot of work. I'm guessing that, and, and it's an evolution, you know, you're, it's always evolving. I guess you're adding and taking away things as, as things change. So the Olympic is your most popular tour. Yeah. That- yeah. Interesting. You know, um, historically about 50% of the renters do an Olympic loop. It shifted a little bit last year with, you know, all these local people. Um, but, I mean, the Olympic Peninsula is, it's pretty insane, like, what is out there. I mean, yeah, I think it says it on the itinerary, but you have a mountain range, snow-capped mountains. You have a yep. desert. Like, Squim is technically, like, a desert. You have a rainforest. Um, you have coastal beaches. Um, you know, you have hot springs. I mean, it's it's crazy what you have on the right. Olympic Peninsula, and and it can be a perfect driving loop. Mm-hmm. So for our road trips, it's it's incredible. I'd normally ask these type of questions towards the end, but I'm going to put you on the spot. Yeah, if sure. you were, if I were to say, here's the keys to one of your vans, and you can take it for a week, where would you go? What would be your trip? You know. <sighs> The trip I really want to go replicate and redo is Vancouver Island. Okay. Um, unfortunately, you know, Canadians are wise and not letting Americans in right now. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> uh, but, you know, that's, I mean, Vancouver Island is is just a magical destination. Um, okay. And uh, so I, I would do that. 
Um, I would also probably, you know, really explore the eastern side of the state or eastern Oregon. I mean, okay. there's so much out there. And, you know, the sky is really big and the, the, the distances can be longer. And it, it's got kind of a really remote feeling, the eastern parts of Washington and Oregon. And they're really un, untapped. Yeah, there's some great stuff. I mean, I'm based in Wenatchee and there's some oh, great yeah. drives, great drives over here. And I'm from the West side originally, and we moved over here like three years ago. And it's, it's nothing to drive 150 miles now to go somewhere. It's no yeah. traffic. It's not like driving through Seattle, not like driving through Tacoma. Yeah. And uh, no, one of these would be very cool over here. Yeah. Um, so you you put the itineraries together, but you also I, I love the fact you've got your numbers. I mean, you're you're rattling off percentages, and you know you're saying that this is so. You've obviously done a lot of research and, and paid attention to what your bands are being used for. What's another popular drive that people are people are using these for? Yeah, the the Oregon coast. Okay, we send a lot. We send a lot of customers down to the Oregon coast. Okay. Um, you know, they, they love it. It's the first day can be kind of long. Um, so you kind of, we send them South and then they loop back up North. Um, okay. and you know, there's just some, you know, the, the, the scenery along that coast is, is epic. Right. And you know, there's just, there's amazing food and there's great camping options and, uh, you know, there's hiking. It's, it's really like a spectacular, if you've never been to the Pacific Northwest, like those, because most people think, you know, beaches, they're thinking of the California beaches or the Florida beaches, like the Northwest beaches with the giant logs and the low tide stretches of sand and, you know, kind of can be somewhat temperate weather. Uh, mm -hmm. It's a whole different feel. So normally we keep this podcast all about Washington state, but I, I got to ask, cause this sounds so cool and I need to hear the, the return yeah. trip, but you've got the Santa Cruz yeah. trip here. Yeah. So it's a one way trip. Mm -hmm. So somebody has got to bring the van back. Yeah. I'll volunteer. Yeah. But who do you rent them down there and bring it back up here? Yeah. Yeah. We have the okay. capacity to, uh, to, to do the rent on the return. We have a, a network of partners and we actually okay. have partners in San Francisco, San Luis Obispo, LA, and Santa Cruz. If, oh, okay. For COVID, we, we really dialed that program back. Um, but, you know, next year we hope to, you know, reinvigorate it. Uh, it, it there's, there's complexity on, on our end. We try to shield you from it of getting it rented on the return. Mm -hmm. uh, but we're pretty good at it. And you don't have to worry about that. You just drop right. one of our partners and you have kind yeah. of the classic, yeah, I mean, Highway 1's up there with, like, Route 66. It's, right. it's, it's an archetype um, in the American no. landscape. No, that's that's very cool that you guys have, have done that. And uh, yeah, I didn't read the fine print that says, one ways are currently canceled due to COVID. So I know. For those of you listening, don't, let, don't pay attention to this yeah. last segment. Everything's okay. canceled due to COVID. Right. So... What do people rent from you more? Are they renting the, 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 the Volkswagens or are they renting the Mercedes? It's both. And it's a really okay. interesting split. Um, okay. I mean, we, we are very transparent with people. There's two things that the Mercedes is really good at. Um, reliable air conditioning while you're driving. Um, okay. So if you're kind of like higher maintenance or you're, you know, maybe you're going to be going on the Eastern side of the States in, in July or August, like, I'm the first to admit, like, I love uh, rolling down my windows and turning up the music, you know, but, you know, my daughter gets pretty hot in the back of the van again. 
Okay. Um, so the AC is nice. And then, uh, you know, the vans, you know, if you have an infant, like a rear facing car seat or mm-hmm. you're, you're really, um, you know, the Mercedes have the, the latch connection into the rear seats, you know, the Vanigans, you know, we, we have retractable three point seat belts and, you know, I've rolled with my kid in a Vanigan since day one. Um, and lots of people do, but if you're really, you know, one of those parents that's really, you're reading kind of the labels on everything, uh, you know, the, and nothing the matter with that. Um, you know, the mattress is, we prefer you to be in a mattress because you're going to be a little less nervous. Okay. I've never been in a mattress, so why don't we shift over to those for a second? So you guys are converting them for Mercedes. Is that correct? Do you have an official relationship with Mercedes to do this? We do. We do have an official relationship with Mercedes. Um, That's a whole nother podcast, how that got created. Um, Super (laughs) fascinating. Uh, I, I sometimes, you know, wake up and be like, wow, that's, I can't believe we have an official relationship with Mercedes Benz. Uh, very unique. They don't, they don't do a lot of those. <laughs> or they okay. kind of, I was educated after the fact that like, they don't do a lot of those. Um, so yeah, we, we, you know, we've been, had been asked for years, like, where's the modern camper van? Why isn't Volkswagen doing this? You can get them in Europe and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. blah. And so we took it upon ourselves four years ago to really try to create a modern camper van. And at okay. that point, Mercedes had this vehicle called the Metris, which is like a high-performing minivan built for the commercial market uh, that they had just started bringing into the U.S. It's like a little cousin to the Sprinter. And uh, they were converting them in Europe. So I went over to Europe and talked to a bunch of vendors and frankly took a lot of risk and brought a lot of material over here and started building them. And then we started getting some really interesting attention and of course, people were like, oh, my God, the modern camper van. Like, this is like the unicorn. Like, where, you know, where, where, how can I buy it? So we started selling them and that got momentum. And then Mercedes started paying attention to us because of the volume we were doing. And um, fast forward to it'll be a year in February. You know, they announced an official partnership with us at the Chicago Auto Show, uh, which was honestly, I think it was like the last auto show before COVID. And oh, uh, maybe even the last auto show ever, you know, like who knows (laughs) industry. Um, And so those vans are, they're, they're fascinating vans because they're, they're the, they're the dual driver that can also be a camper van. They're the van again, but like, it's like reliable. It's a 2020 Mercedes. It's, it's Mm -hmm. computer controlled. It's got a warranty. It's got, you know, air conditioning. It's got the three, you know, the, the latch points for this car seats. It's, you know, it's a modern vehicle. With that said, and I always tell people this, I mean, when I have my choice of what I drive, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I prefer to drive my, my V-Dub. You know, okay. Like, it's just much more fun. People wave at me. Um, you know, I get conversations at the gas station. Uh, but if I really have to get from A to B, like, reliably, uh, and it's like, and, and quickly, like, I'll jump in one of the Mercedes. Okay. So we see people, I mean, the, so, so that's, you know, that's kind of where that business started and how that business started. And, and now we're selling, I mean, we're, we'll end this year with maybe 140 on the road and we hope, wow. to, yeah, we hope to do about 400 next year. Wow. Yeah. So fairly significant uh, numbers. Pretty exciting. I, I had no idea that you would be, you know, I was thinking, you know, 
couple, three dozen type thing. No, no, it's, it's not, we'll, not one a day. We'll sell every single van Mercedes can get us next year. And there's a very good chance. There's a very good chance we're going to be sold out by January for all of 2021. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. In layman's terms to do a full conversion, how long does that take you guys? You know, we budget about 170 man hours. So, wow. okay. uh, yeah, it's pretty extensive. I mean, we start with a naked cargo van. Um, we cut out windows. We cut out the hole for the pop top. Um, we install a floor, a proprietary rail system. We build the cabinet. We wire up the cabinet. It's pretty, it's, it's like, it's pretty extensive what we do. I'm looking at one on your site right now with, it's a picture of a little girl sitting with the slider open and a little boy sticking his head out. So, you know what photo I'm talking yeah. about. So you're cutting the, the windows in these things. Oh, you're, yeah. you're really just buying, these are panel vans. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you're cutting, you're putting the glass in. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're insulating them. We're, I mean, we're, we're and, and you know, we have that in our DNA from restoring Volkswagen. Wow. Like we're, we're really good at it. Wow. And it's interesting because, you know, there's no straight lines in a, in a vehicle. It's like a boat, you know, okay. building in vehicles and building in boats is really, really hard. And you see a lot of people building in, in vehicles. They, 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 they don't realize that. And then they are, they're stuck and they, they take a lot of shortcuts okay. and a lot of vehicles, if they're not professionally built out, you know, they, they don't, they end up like not looking good and they end up falling apart fairly quickly. I had no idea that you were doing, I, I, I understand the concept of the, 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 putting the camper in there, you know, the whole thing and cutting the top, but I didn't realize you're putting the floor in. And yeah. I mean, the scope of what you guys yeah. do. And, and I'll be transparent. Like, you know, more, I think more impressive is like, we didn't know what we were doing when we started. Like the journey, so just, the journey just was, cut open a Mercedes. Yeah. The journey Perfect. was arduous. And I think like the first one took us like seven months to really get right. You know, okay. and the second one, you know, maybe three months and then the third, you know, like, you know, I mean, there's, there's a curve there. Um, yeah, right. And uh, but yeah, we, we really and, and figuring out the trim and the transitional elements and, and how do we make it look like an OEM Mercedes when we're done? And that's really what Mercedes saw when when they came out to visit us and we started working with them they're like okay you guys have nailed this this looks like an oem mercedes when it's done um because mercedes does not take that stuff lightly <laughs> no I, i'm looking through some photos that's one of the fun things about doing the show is i can always look at people's websites sure. while we're talking and i'm looking at the attention to detail that you guys are putting in is i mean the insulated blackout panels things yeah. like that yeah it's um, insane i mean it's insane and, you know, there's not a lot of people converting these. Um, and we are by far the most expensive. And sometimes I get asked, and, you know, I'm like, well, you just, and I'm just like, just doing apples to apples. And like, yeah, honestly, like the other people converting them, they should be a lot cheaper than they are. Like, okay, I think they just look at our price point and say, well, we're going to be a little bit cheaper than Peace Fans. But the quality is just like, so, I mean, there's one or two people that are trying to do a good job, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, what we do, and it drives me, the owner, insane. I'm just like, you know, I'm just like, can't we do this faster? Can't we do this, you know, like at a lower cost? And my team's just like, nope, we're not compromising quality. And, uh, you know, that's just, and, and which is the right decision. And I don't generally want to do that, but 
there's days where I'm like, can't we go faster? <laughs> so how, how big is your shop now? I mean, how, well, you, cause you've, yeah, you, you've expanded. Yeah. So part of the Mercedes, it's really, it's an interesting business story. You know, part of the Mercedes relationship basically required us to uh, partner with a manufacturing partner. So we build the bulk of these Mercedes vans. Mercedes has a factory in South Carolina. Mm -hmm. So Mercedes, when they approach us, they're like, there's no way Peace Vans can scale to the numbers we want. Um, And frankly, you know, they're like, they were like, frankly, it's going to take two years for you to get through like our engineering and legal reviews. And our lawyers are going to want to meet with your lawyers. And, you know, and and like, it's just not gonna, it's like, there's this company that's here in South Carolina with a factory next to the factory. They're really good guys. Come out and meet them. They, They can help you build them. And I was just like really reluctant. I was like, it's a bunch of car guys from Akron and I'm from Detroit. So, you know, my family's car group. So I'm not really... But I was just like, oh, my God, this is my baby and this is our quality. And like, are these guys really going to get it? And I, it turns out the company, their name is Driverge, and they're the number one manufacturer of handicap accessible vehicles in the U.S. So okay. they were like, I mean, it was like a heart connection. Like they're totally mission driven. Um, they love, um, you know, they love what we do. We love what they do. You know, they're building under a very tight regulatory quality regime anyway because of the the accessibility market um so they really got it so they actually uh build and we embedded a team over there for months um and so they build most of the vans for us so we do have we occupy about twenty five thousand square feet here in seattle oh um spread across three or four um spread across like three or four facilities but uh and we do, we'll make probably a hundred vehicles here next year in 2021. Okay. But yeah, a lot of the manufacturing is done. And then the other thing is the vehicles go from the factory in South Carolina to, you know, our facility in South Carolina now. So it's kind of okay. a seamless thing. Um, and then when Mercedes wants to look at stuff and, and, and check stuff out, they're not getting on a plane coming out to Seattle. They just, they literally walk across the street. Okay. Yeah. So, but the growth, the growth has been daunting. I mean, it's like, I'm, you know, like it, it's really, uh, you know, we've added people at the, at the kind of overhead level, (laughs) um, you know, marketing and operations and sales support and delivery support. And, you know, as, as the owner, you're just like, want to be thoughtful about that, but, you know, we're able to attract amazing people and build an amazing team. So it's, it's fun. Well, it's, it, yeah, it sounds like it. Mm-hmm. And I'm, oh, okay. So I was trying to read, I was trying to figure out what this is. And this is a cooler. The, the, dom, is it Dometic? Yeah. So we have two versions of the van. We have a, what we call a weekender, which is right. a pop top and a big seat in the rear that folds into a bed. And a lot of those customers will buy like in a little, a little electric cooler. Because those, right. those vans we build, they have like a second battery system and you plug that cooler in. The full camper version has a built-in refrigerator. Right. They don't really need that cooler. So. Okay. So the cooler's for like the weekender. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now what I really want to know, because this speaks to me, is this electric van conversion. Uh-huh. I, I, you have a video on your website. Yeah. 
I, I don't know who the guy is, but he's, you've taken a Vanagon down yeah, to the frame basically with the, with the yeah. driver's seat yeah, and he's got his hands up in the air. Like, is it a, like in an amusement park ride? It was a, it was a moment. I mean, it was a real moment because in because the story of that, I mean, it's funny because just last night I was helping my daughter, she's 10, helping her clean up her art table. We actually raised the legs on it because she's outgrown it. And we found this picture of the lemon car, what this, this electric product. And I, I looked at her and it was, it was from Burning Man. I've been going to Burning Man for like 22 years and I really got fixated on bringing my daughter. And for those of your listeners that don't know, like Burning Man actually, it can be a very kid friendly environment. It is not just like drug, sex and nudity. It's, it's art, it's relationship. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And I really wanted to bring her, but I really didn't want to be dealing with like meltdowns way out miles away and like on her bike and dust storms. So I was like, I'm going to build an art car. And I'm like, if anyone can build an art car and I had built them before, but like, I have a whole shop. Like I get like, like, like I have like the most talented people in the United States. Like we can do this. And then I thought, wait a minute, let's make it electric. Like, let's really like, you know, like, 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 like push the envelope here and learn something here. And, uh, you know, I was looking at that picture last night with her and I said, Eden, you do know it's insane that we actually pulled off this project, you know, that we built and we took an old an 84 van again and we like stripped it down. We completely carcassed it out and then we built it, converted it to electric. And then we built it into a giant lemon. And there is kind of the <laughs> subtext of like the, the, the van again is in, in many ways, the ultimate lemon, you know, that wasn't really the, the like the design, like uh, intention of the project it had to do with like lemonade and children and sp- sparking your dreams. And um, but it was a it was so much fun and we learned so much and we're like, oh, God, we really need to make a business out of converting old VWs to electric. And so we started up that business and we're, you know, we're just wrapping up the the, the one we, we were supposed to wrap up last year. But with COVID, everything got delayed. And the thing is going to be a, a, a monster. I mean, it's going to be so much fun to drive. It's a 1977 VW bus. Um, it's on our website right now. It's Frida. On the I'm, I'm looking at it right now. And it's going to be like, it, I mean, the thing's going to, I mean, we're going to have to dial down the motor because it, it'll go 90 miles an hour. You know, that's the part that I want to try. I know. <laughs> you know we're going to, we'll, we'll put the motor at like 40% of capacity and, um, but we've learned a lot. And, and I think there's really actually like a viable business taking Beatles, Gia's, you know, VW buses um, and converting them to electric because um, honestly, at this point, the cost of like reconditioning them is just on internal combustion stuff is really high. And like the electric motor and everything around it, it should last, you know, 20 years. So do you think that these, the vans, do you think you can keep them as campers with the electric? Do you think that's a possibility in the future? So for the van, again, there's still more work that has to happen. Mm -hmm. The the older air-cooled buses, they're they're lighter weight. Um, The challenge with electric camping, and we get asked this question all the time, you know, very few campsites have charging stations. Right. Oftentimes you want to, like, crank out a long day or two on your road trip. And it really like electric is not right now the best use case scenario 
like camping is not the best use case scenario for electric. With that said, I, I have a feeling in two to three years, we'll be doing full electric conversions on Vanagon's. Um, oh. Some of it is getting the entire Tesla um, drivetrain. Okay. Uh, right now we use Tesla batteries. Um, okay. It's been hard to get the entire drivetrain, but that's becoming, as they scale up, uh, that's becoming more of a viable option to actually like plop in or, or another end-to-end uh, like uh, uh, the e-golf, you know, Volkswagen has the e-golf, like taking that whole drivetrain and just plopping that in. Uh, we'll probably, and we want to see range get a little better on the battery. So you can do, if your campground doesn't have a charging station, you can get to mm-hmm. the next destination reliably. Uh, yeah. I wonder with the Tesla Cybertruck with the reported 500 mile range, if you could, you know, throw a camper on the back of that. Yeah. Well, or take the, take it yep. and put it in something cool because the cyber trucks yep. not not that these are good looking but these are just i'm sorry they're iconic i know yep and when you see an old 60s volkswagen bus on the road running um you pay attention to it yeah you just you don't see them much anymore yeah. and to i don't know to have one being electric and maybe becoming reliable yeah yeah and it would be so cool it can be the thing you just We've had interest from people, for example, you know, a family that lives on um, Orcas Island, or they spend a lot of time on Orcas Island. That's where their VW bus lives. It's their island vehicle. Sure. They, you know, and, and you know, it's kind of like, well, you could spend like, you know, twenty five grand rebuilding the motor, going through the fuel system, and blah 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 blah, and still not be super reliable. Or you can probably, you know, right now maybe spend like forty or forty five, and have something that starts, stops, and goes a hundred percent reliably every single time like like, yeah that's a yeah to me that's a no-brainer if i'm if i'm going in i'm going in yeah on that yeah so yeah super fun super exciting projects um and i do think you know we like to incubate new businesses at peace fans you know we have the vintage shop and the rentals um we have the modern business we tried a camping rental outfit like a gear outfit renting company um, and then, you know, the electric thing is this thing. And then we do want to build out this Peace Vans camps thing, these private campsites. So kind of like we like incubating things here. I'm glad you brought that up because as these conversations always meander around, we loop back to things. You mentioned the private camping. And so what I was going to ask you just before I was going to ask you that is when somebody rents a, a, a van from you and they're going out and let's say they're doing the Olympic, the Olympic mountains and all that. And, what comes in the van? Do you guys provide, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, and we take, we take great pride in everything that's in that van. It's, it's 122 unique items. It's everything from like kimchi flavored sea salt to um, literally to, uh, I think what the most pedestrian item is, maybe a garlic press or like thermal mugs or, okay. I mean, it's, it's everything and it's all hand curated you know, okay. we, we often say, I think it even says on our website, it's not like we go to Goodwill and get the stuff. It's just the opposite. Like every year when we make a huge donation to Goodwill because we want, okay. we want, we don't want worn stuff in our kits. So you get a, you get a kitchen kit with like the, the nicest like utilities in there. Um, you get a, like a, um, a, a plate dish kind of pot kit. And, and a lot of our camping equipment comes from GSI. A good local Washington okay. company makes super high quality camping gear. Um, 
you get, you know, this really cool spice kit. You get a, a French press and a pound of coffee ground for a French press. Um, there's all wow. these little like touches in there. You get the headlamps, you get the first aid kit, you get, um, you know, there's a linen package if you want it with really like high thread count linens and nice blankets. Uh, we really go over the top with everything that's in the van. And, um, you know, I think the only thing we don't, we don't include like a potato ricer. So if you want to make mashed potatoes, uh, you're going old school. You're going old school. <laughs> um, and, uh, but yeah, it's really, really a thoughtful set. We, we don't want, and again, it's designed for people that are flying in. Mm-hmm. But we want people to be able to just fly in and hit the road and go and pick up some groceries and just, you know, just, they don't, you know, like, and even for local people, we, we want to avoid, I've had that argument with my wife where I forgot the, the, the chef's knife or you know, I forgot the one thing that with, you know, oftentimes it's the corkscrew and I'll admit it. Um, you can't, open, <laughs> you can't open the wine. Um, can't open the wine. and, uh, thank God for screw caps. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, but we really try to make sure like everything is in there. So it's really a thoughtfully packaged, uh, set of stuff. That's awesome that you guys do. I mean, literally, I mean, somebody could be, you know, flying in from say Chicago and mm-hmm. have Amazon deliver the food to you guys. We've done that. Yeah, right. We've had Instacart, yeah. um, you know, deliveries yeah. and we just load up the van and you hit the road. Um, yeah. There's some, there's some Washington say liquor control board stuff around like beer and we can't mm-hmm. do that, but everything else is, is in cannabis. Right. We can't, those are two things we can't supply. Okay. Um, no, that's, but that's, that's awesome that you guys are providing, you know, uh, a curated list of things that you, cause you probably are getting feedback from people yeah. like, and they, they said, Oh, we needed a potato, right? I'm, no, yeah. I'm joking about the potato yeah. ricer, but you know, they, they said, Oh, we could have really used a chef's knife. And you're like, okay, next time we'll have a chef's knife on the thing. And you just keep going. That's, that's very cool. Yeah. It's really, fun. and, and the fact that it's not, you know, mismatched set from goodwill or you know no, value it, village it, or someplace like that you're you're it's impeccable i mean yeah. you, the feedback we got is like i mean people will say oh and the knives were even sharp and we're like yeah we freaking sharpen them every month you know because wow it, okay it, well there's nothing worse than like no you're right <laughs> life is actually dangerous it's not only bad it's dangerous <laughs> right so, okay so you also then mentioned the private campgrounds i'd like to i'd like to uh, talk about that for a second because sam brought that up in passing and so i was like been curious about that what tell us about those yeah i mean the impetus for it was um there were there were a couple uh there was a there was a business impetus around you know some people would show up and you know the non-planners would show up like in july for a week and and not realize like oh my god like like the really popular campgrounds like they, they were booked five months ago and like right. and so we really wanted to have like a, a release valve you know for 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 that so you know like um so there wasn't a lot of pressure but then also you know while many of the the public campgrounds are amazing and in like very unique places like in the national park or a state park or proximity to a, a, an amazing thing I mean, a lot of them are just crowded and you're, you're, you know, they're like, they're not great camping experiences. And we really wanted, just, you know, just like we want to curate an impeccable van and an impeccable set of, you know, um, utilities in the van, you know, we want the actual like camping experience to be like as perfect as possible too. Um, so, uh, you know, like creating these private campsites really felt like a great extension of that. 
So, you know, we have right now we have um, a handful and we're really expanding that this winter, uh, making, you know, just some new partnerships. Uh, we're actually acquiring some of our own, you know, land to like, you know, create our own. And they're just wonderful. And the, the lot, some of the, one of the best things about it, you don't need a reservation. Like you can just right. roll, roll up to them. You know, they're managed in such a way where, you know, there's never more than one or two of our renters there and there's plenty of space. And if, if there is a night where there's three renters, you kind of know each other, you know, and you're not on top of each other, though, though it's enough fire rings and picnic tables for the overflow scenario. Um, and it's just a very friendly vibe. And we really try to put them in beautiful spots and out of the way spots and, you know, create just a very low stress way for you to have kind of an off the grid, out of the giant campground uh, camping experience. So currently, where, where, what areas are these in? Most of them are on the peninsula because um, okay. that's where most of our renters go. Um, we're developing, uh, we're really uh, trying to carve out a few in the Methdal Valley for next year. We really want, we think we're going to have more local renters again next year. And we really want to do kind of a deeper dive on lesser touristed areas. So we're looking at a loop, you know, actually around, we're developing one in Wenatchee. Um, oh, really? I'll send you the GPS coordinates. Um, okay. And, uh, and, and where we don't have exclusive sites, what we then do is we actually reach out to uh, landowners on a website called Hip Camp, and we build relationships with them and say, hey, you know, can you carve out an exclusive site for our renters? We'll prepay for the year, and that will be available for them. And so if you go to our renter portal and you have the password, we have, you know, maybe... 25 additional sites across all the itineraries recommended where if you show up and, you know, in your peace van, uh, they know who you are and they're just, you know, maybe they have a s'more kit for you or some other little touch that we've dialed in for you at that site. That's great. I think that's just a, yeah. an amazing. And, and we because... did a really good job of vetting them um, mm -hmm. because we had the situation when we started this about two years ago, we had a, a funny scenario where, you know, we, we, there was a, a really cool looking site outside of Portland, you know, talked to them. It was a farm. They were lovely people. They were super stoked to partner with us. And we sent our first renters there and they came back and they're like, oh my God, that last night was great. The farm people were great. Um, but just so you know, it was actually like a cannabis farm. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and, you know, they were cool with it, but they're like, you know, it was kind of the harvest time and it was just, it was a little awkward and, we understand they were from out of state, you know, they were from the East coast. They're like, we understand it's legal, like on the entire West coast, but it was just, it was just a little kind of weird. And this was two years ago. Um, so we're like, Oh God, I mean, I, we had no idea, you know, we, we, they didn't like really tell us when they said farm, you know, we didn't, you know, think to ask. So, so we kind of, you know, go a little deeper now after, after that. And we still have that partnership and they actually are a real farm. They do have other things going on. So, okay. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I always love to ask this question and some people don't like answering it, but through the years of, of renting these mm -hmm. and, or through the years of coming up with business ideas with peace fans, I'm going to guess that you had, somebody might've had this idea that at the time sounded brilliant and then didn't work out. I always, I always love to hear the, 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 the like, well, we thought this would be great. Kind of like your story you just shared about, oops, it's an open, you know, a functioning cannabis farm. 
<laughs> what have you guys, has there ever been a, a rental story that didn't go well, that was kind of amusing maybe, but you know, I mean, is there, yeah, I mean, what, what hasn't worked out? Let's put it that way. Yeah, Let's ask I that mean, question. You know, every once in a while, yeah, a renter slips through the cracks that shouldn't. And we're really okay. diligent about like, are you sure that, you know, this is how you want to spend your vacation? And you're really good about that. But as we grow, I mean, it's just, it's really hard. And some people are really persistent. And so, yeah, every year there's a couple renters that slip through the cracks. I mean, and this, this one wasn't really, wasn't really their fault, but you know, they're non-native English speakers. Um, they, they called us from Kennedy airport having just landed from Beijing and we're on a okay. to Seattle and, you know, had never camped. And I, I, I don't know, somehow we got the insurance approved and I felt really bad and they showed up and I mean, they, they didn't, they didn't know how to use a, the cooler. Oh, they sent, they sent a picture of a cold, like a cooler with food in it from the grocery store saying like, well, how does this work? And I said, well, you have to put ice in it. Like, well, won't that melt? And I was like, yeah, you need to put more ice in it. You just have to keep doing that. Um, and, but the great part is they ended up like having an amazing trip. Um, but things that didn't work out, you know, we launched this gear rental business. Okay. You know, I had this, this passionate idea that, you know, uh, you know, and again, like local families, uh, want to go camping, um, you know, all their, all their gears, maybe like moldy in the basement or, or like they like, they're too intimidated. Cause like their, their neighbors got the nicest, greatest stuff and their stuff is like, or they just don't go camping. So I was like, you know, we're already like cleaning gear all summer long. And so let's, let's buy a bunch of gear and package it up and rent it to people that want to go camping. And I was like really passionate about it. And we launched the business and it just didn't, didn't get the traction. I thought it would, it was really popular with like festival goers, like to the gorge. Um, okay. Like we sold out all sold out for those weekends. Um, but we really struggled with um, local families and I think, you know, some of it might've been the price point. I think afterwards, you know, we did some interviews and there, there was a bit of guilt. Like, well, I have all the gear and even though it's not good or it's imperfect, like I just feel guilty renting it. I don't feel right. And I thought the value proposition of like, use it, get it dirty, drop it off, never see it again would be worth the, the price point. But it just kind of, you know, it wasn't. So that didn't really work out. Um, you know, we, we, we've really ratcheted down the, the body and paint restoration work we do. I mean, that's just like, talk about like a, a non-profitable business. Um, well, hasn't, hasn't paint in the automotive industry, hasn't that gotten very regulated and oh, you've got to, yeah. you, you can't just like spray, you've got to have like a, a booth with, with yep. ventilation systems yeah, and, yeah. and, and, and you, you really need to invest in like PPE for your team. And yeah, it's mm -hmm. not, it's not a pleasant kind of thing. So, yeah. So when you, so when you restore vehicles, then are you outsourcing the, the, yeah, the paint and body work now? Yeah. Yeah. We've, we found some good partners to outsource it to, and we'll either manage the process or you can manage the process and then we'll pick up the mechanical restoration. I wouldn't. Yeah, I think that's a smart move. I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. It's just not. Um, we looked at reinvesting in that, and and it's frankly, it's an art form, and it's really hard mm -hmm. to hire that level of craftsmanship in the city of Seattle. Right. Random question yeah. that just popped in my brain yeah. with, with when we restore these vehicles, 
I don't think you're running down to your local AutoZone to pick up a part. Yeah. No. Where are you guys having to make part? I mean, are you having to, re, you know, it's manufacture everything. things? It's everything. You know, I mean, about 75% of the parts are available, you know, from okay. or from, you know, kind of regular vendors. About, tw- about 15%, 20% come from specialty vendors, you know, highly okay. specialized. And then we have, you know, we have just a stash of, parts you know we'll buy we'll buy a non-running van and we'll harvest it you know and we'll put like when we tore the van apart to make it electric i mean we we squirreled away some very precious you know tidbits off that van and then uh you know we don't sell used parts but if we're restoring a van and you can't get um you know that heater cable like you know we we've got a stash of them and we'll recondition it and we generally just you know build for the labor to install that and give away the high quality good use part um, okay and you know but we have you know we have all sorts of things just hidden away in various stashes and then we have we have a um a network of people we can sort of you know people call us we call them you know like like the um axle shaft for the automatic transmissions on the Vanigans is hard to come by um, okay. and the manual ones don't, they're not the right length. And, you know, there's, so there's, there's things where when we find them, we hoard them. Okay. Mm-hmm. That, uh, that's, yeah, I was wondering about that because, you know, it's not like they're being made anymore. Yeah. And, uh, and, and what we see increasingly is the quality of the aftermarket parts is going down. Oh, it so, is. yeah. So what we're seeing is we're really diligent about like when we order a part in, making sure even though it might be the same part number and the right vendor that the country of origin is correct. Cause you can okay. get, uh, you know, um, you know, three, six, seven, four, 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 zero, one, seven, seven F, which is, you know, maybe that's like a, a, a wheel bearing and it's, you know, manufactured by Febby and, you know, which is a German company, but like the country of origin is actually China. And we're like, no, no, no. We want the one that's actually country of origin is Germany. Same gotcha. part number, same manufacturer. So you got to be really. And some people will be like, "Well, I found the exact same thing on the internet for like half the price." We're like, "Yeah, but it was made in X- somewhere else." Y. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, my parts guy literally sometimes will smell a part when it comes in. Like I, I like he thinks he can like determine like the quality. There's there's like a, there's like an old factory. It's it's actually quite obsessive and, and hilarious to watch. Yeah, you know, like 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 smell apart, and we're like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "I can just tell, you know, whether it's like an an, an original German part or not." You know, it's crazy. That's hysterical. Yeah, it is. That's yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. So when you're not working on peace fans, what do you like to do in the in the area for fun and excitement? I mean, obviously, I try to get out as much as possible. You know, there's there's a bit of co- the cobbler's kid has no shoes. You know, like. I don't get out as much as I should in all the vans that are at my disposal, but I, I've been really trying to trying to do that. Um, I mean, we try to be, we as a company and I as an individual, we try to be really involved in the local community. Um, you know, we're like this year in COVID, like we're really fortunate that our business is thriving and we're doing really well when so many people aren't. And so, you know, really finding ways to give back. Um, we're going to, uh, we're going to like do a giveaway soon for a restaurant and independent venue workers like to give them a free rental or a couple of free rentals just because like it's so stressful now and um you know we have these vans and like if you can get away for a weekend that can make a huge difference and we did that for frontline healthcare workers over the summer um 
and just find ways to, you know, really take, you know, the fortunate position we're in and, um, you know, give back. Like someone asked me yesterday after like Congress passed the, you know, the new stimulus bill and the new PPP package, they're like, are you going to go for it? I was like, no, like, like we don't need it. You know, like there's so many more companies that need it. And like, you know, like, in, in fact, like we're really going to try to really find a way to like, you know, like, like share, you know, the fortune we've had, you know, this year and going into next year. That's, that's commendable. That's, that's great. So I always ask people about food and drink and even with the time of COVID, it's kind of hard, but if you could go, so you're down in Soto Mm -hmm. and let's say you're going to run for lunch. So I'm going to give you your guidelines. You got, even though the owner, you got an hour for lunch. You can't, you can't have that good three martini lunch. Sorry. Well, actually now from the tax thing, you you can't put that freaking thing into the bill. Yeah. Anyway, but we won't go there. So (laughs) you're going to go for lunch somewhere around Soto. Where's a place that you would go for lunch? Um, you know, there's a, there's a little like, like pizza place, super high quality pizza called slice box. And, but their salads are impeccable, like impeccable salads. Like, like you wouldn't think the quality of salad is that high, but like their kale salad, it's like got tons of veggies, raw kale, this amazing vinaigrette. It's got sliced mushrooms, walnuts. Um, I mean, chickpeas, it's, it's a beautiful salad. Okay. Um, there's uh I like to go for nostalgia's sakes. There's a barbecue place, Jack's Barbecue, um, and it's it's he's got the largest smokers in the state of Washington. But what I love about Jack's, Jack and I shared a wall when we worked at Microsoft. His office was next to mine, and <laughs> now he's in Soto, and he's like the barbecue king of Washington State, and I'm in Soto, and I'm like the camper van king, and it's just fun to like kind of reminisce with him and, you know, we like to have like a, a codependent sharing group of how we got out of micro, uh, got out of high tech. Um, <laughs> what, if you don't mind me asking, what did you do at Microsoft? What was I, your, I, I, I was so lucky. I had the best experience there and the best jobs. I really had three different jobs. Like I, I worked in PR, which was actually like, oh. which was really fun. Um, okay. I'd like to joke the only two places you want to learn PR is the, the White House and Microsoft. Um, and this was <laughs> the White House prior to the, this administration. Um, and so I really like was fortunate. I was on the marketing side and I was fortunate enough to learn the discipline of PR like really, really well. Like I was, and I, it was a really eye opening experience to really see how that machine works. Um, and, uh, and then I was lucky enough to pivot over to working on piracy, uh, you oh. know, like pirated windows and pirated office. And like, you know, I, I ran um, the first segmentation model on that. Like not all pirates are the same. Like there's actually like people that are unwilling pirates and there's, there's willing pirates and there's, you know, there's all this. And, and I unfortunately was tethered to a renegade engineering team that did all this crazy stuff. So we had to, there's always a lot of cleanup you know, um, after they would, you know, they're supposed to release a tool to 2000 people in Sweden, they released to like the entire population. And then, and then Sweden launched like a, a pirated software, like political party, you know? Um, (laughs) and then my last job there, I was, I loved, I worked with, um, uh, uh, governments to, 
figure out how to get like laptops to uh, large populations, whether it's, you know, the entire kindergarten class of Guatemala or every civil servant in Botswana or, you know, like these, these like the government would, you know, uh, want to, you know, create like a, a technology access program. Um, and it was really, really like a fascinating, I would travel around the world and met with ministries of, you know, all sorts of ministries and prime ministers. And, you know, I joke, the only thing I miss about Microsoft, and there's a lot of things, but I do miss flying around the world like business class and kind of being ushered through. Because oftentimes I was meeting with like the Ministry of Finance or something, like I wouldn't go through the regular customs. Right. You, know? <laughs> you just, you'd get the express lane. Through yeah. And, I mean, it was privilege, but it was, it was really fun. And, and I'm a big foodie. And so, to, you know, your other, earlier question about where would I eat in soda, just having the opportunity to travel the world and like, you know, like, mm-hmm. to eat really just awesome things was really, I was, I was so eternally grateful for that experience and really um, had a great experience when I worked there, but happy to have left. Okay. Well, and now you've got this yeah. uh, business and this enterprise and you're, you're lovingly restoring yeah. iconic vehicles. Yeah. So it's a lot of fun. My, my hat is off. Well, why don't we wrap this up by you sharing with the audience where people can find you. I'm going to say online, obviously in the Soto district of Seattle, tongue planted in cheek there. But if somebody wants to find out more about you and maybe rent a van, restore something, pick up a conversion, where can they find you? Yeah, the best way to learn about Peace Fans is, you know, really on the internet at peacefans.com. Uh, each of the businesses does have their own URL. There's Peace Fans Modern, Peace Fans Rentals, Peace Fans Seattle for the Vintage Shop, and Peace Fans Electric. Um, but really, they all also live at peacefans.com as well. Um, and if you are, find yourself in the Soto neighborhood. It's a little challenging with COVID, but, you know, prior to that, like drop-ins were so much fun. I mean, we would have people coming by all the time and we would do events and things like that. So you can visit peacefans.com, sign up for our newsletters and also social media. We tend to use Instagram. So when we were doing events and those kinds of fun things, a lot of that would be pushed out through Instagram. And that's where we do the giveaways and um, things like that. So really I would say peacefans.com and uh, peacefans on Instagram. Okay. Well, thank you for uh, being on with me today. It was a lot of fun for me, and uh, I look. I wish you all the best. Yeah, Scott, great to you know hang out and chat, and um, you know, really enjoyed this a lot. Thank you. Um, okay. Oh, you know, your podcast is fun to listen to, um, and uh, feel free if you have any follow up questions. And if I'm in Wenatchee, uh, we were we were considering coming out there to look at this site. It looks like a gorgeous spot. It's one of our okay. ones, forty acres. Okay. And they're like, you can take the lower five and build a campsite. And so it's pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. Well, if you're, if you're in the neighborhood, give me a shout. Sounds good, Scott. Thank you. All right. Awesome. Take care. Have a great day. Join us next time for another episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast.